0: Welcome to Christian International's Teaching of the Week, a podcast where we dive into the best hand-picked lessons from Christian International's vast library of sermons, lessons, and conferences. My wife and I are going to team up on you today. You know that tag team anointing; it can take out the biggest wrestler around. And so I hope you survive. But it's going to be an awesome time. We like to say that we move in signs and wonders, right? Many times I'll be up here and I'll be ministering, and my wife will be giving me signs, and I'll wonder what it means. Hallelujah! But we try to get the job done. Uh, one thing I had many times in my life over the years, as I was young, I got a word that said the double portion of your father is going to be on you. It almost felt like too much to bear, or how am I going to do that? But then when I married the right wife, I understood what it's all about. Hallelujah. And, and so we're going to try to just uh, share some things. This topic is something that's near and dear to our heart. We've been raised in it. And that's talking about, of the seven anointings, the reality that God wants to still send prophets to the nations. How many believe that God's still sending prophets to the nations? And so part of the DNA structure of Christian International is everything to do with these seven anointings that we've been talking Talking about throughout this week. And one of the key ones is that God's sending apostles and prophets to the nations for his purposes. And as you are going into ministry, you find out many times you've got to put on whatever mantle you need to get the job done. So sometimes we have that mantle of pastor and we're overseeing the flock of God here at Vision Church and all that. And other times God says, I'm sending you to the Philippines. I'm sending you uh, to Singapore or wherever it might be in the nations of the earth. And you have to put that mantle on. I'm now I'm going as the voice of the Lord into the nations of the earth. And how many understand that when you do that, there's a commissioning and also a release that comes through you differently. How many have you notice that when you're doing something that God's called you to do, and even though maybe in one realm you maybe seem like I'm Clark Kent, But in another, you become Superman, right? And so uh, when you put that mantle on, just like that, you begin to do things you didn't even expect. And so we want to talk a little bit about this prophetic mantle that God has upon the church and upon our lives. So uh, we have a a little bit of an overhead for you here. I want to give you the the baseline scripture that we use many times out of Jeremiah chapter 1. And it says this about Jeremiah as he was being called, Before I formed you in the womb... I knew you and before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Turn to somebody and say, God knows you. And so God has a plan, and he already puts it in place in the womb, and he has that calling that he begins to bring forth. And so when we prophesy, we're not trying to tell you something new. We're just telling you what God made you for from the beginning and releasing that word so you can believe and lay hold of that mantle. And so in verse 6, it says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said back to me, how many of, you, sometimes we say to, God, I don't know if that's me. I don't think I can do that. That seems like too big, too much, too far. But God says, no. Behold, he said back to him, do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to whom I send you and whatever I command you. You shall speak. And so the truth of it is, we're not supposed to look at our frailties, our problems, our difficulties. God says, no, listen to my word. And if I commission and send you, then I've also equipped you to be able to get this uh, job done. And so if I send you to the nations, no, like Joshua, you can take every place your foot shall tread. And so whatever I command you, you shall speak. Everybody say speak. Speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. So turn to somebody and say, I'm not afraid of your face. Wow, a lot of faith in the house. Okay. Uh, why? Because I'm with you to deliver you from their faith. I'm deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words on the wall. No. I have put my words in the Bible. True. But what was he saying? I have put my words where? In your mouth. And said, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day done what? As I put my words in your mouth, I've set you over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, and then to build and plant. Put your hand on your mouth, if you will, and let me just pray for you as we start. God, I'm agreeing that even as Jeremiah was called, that there's a Jeremiah generation that's yet to arise in this day that's going to be prophetic. And so let this hand that they have represent your hand upon their mouth, and that you would put your words into the mouth of a generation with no how to root up, to pull down all that is false, all that is a lie, all that is limiting in the church and in the earth as a curse, and that we might build and plant the kingdom of God. And we will say to you, God, here am I, send me. Give the Lord a hand clap of agreement. Yes. And so we want to talk about why, why is this need for prophets in the nation?
1: We hope that you have been enjoying this installment of the Teaching of the Week. This session was recorded during our 2017 International Gathering of Apostles and Prophets Conference. I wanted to let you know that we have another conference coming up in February from the 19th to the 22nd that is going to be an incredible time of encounter and impartation. It is the Watchman Leadership Summit, and the theme is unshakable. For more information on this, you can visit our website at christianinternational.com. We invite you to join us in person to experience a Christian International Conference firsthand. We'll see you there. You know, when my husband and I got married, the Lord told us that we, he would send us as prophets to the nations, that God would send us into very key strategic nations. And we were probably married 10 years before we ever went to our first nation. Now we've been married 36 years, and we've been to over 60 nations that the Lord has opened up to us. Amen. And so just this is from things from the scripture and things that God has shown us in our experience, why God sends prophets to the nations? So you'll see a little list there. We're going to kind of talk through that just for a moment. One of the number one reasons that I believe the prophetic word comes over our individual lives, as well as coming over our corporate life or the life of a nation is that God wants to speak to your destiny. So when we go in as a prophetic team into the nations, God doesn't want to just, just preach a nice message. God sends us in there to speak to the destiny of that nation. And so whenever we go in, we listen to the voice of God and we say, God, what is it that you're saying specifically to this nation? And as we hear what God is saying specifically to that nation, one of the things that we have understood is that when God decrees something, hear this, when God decrees something, the enemy immediately goes on assignment to decree the opposite. True. And so you may go into a nation that has all kinds of issues in the nation, and sometimes what we have to be able to say is, Lord, help me to look past what I see in the natural, to see and to hear your voice in the supernatural, because all the devil can do is imitate or counterfeit what God has said, and we need to call nations back to their true identity. Amen? Yes. Um, we were in Scotland. Where's uh, David and Emma Stark? David, are they back in here yet? I saw them on the break, okay. They uh, head up our ministry in Scotland, and we were there just a few years ago, and one of the things that the Lord just kept impressing on us when we went there is that God was opening up a healing well in Scotland, and that God was going to bring a spirit of revival in that nation. God was going to bring a a revival of supernatural signs and wonders. Uh, Actually, the UK, and especially even in Scotland, was one of the last places that signs, wonders, and miracles were actually done in the earth before we kind of went into the dark ages and you didn't see any of that in the church. And so, as we went, we felt that we were supposed to decree the destiny of Scotland to be a wellspring for revival, a wellspring for healings and supernatural miracles. Well hear what the enemy had decreed. Scotland is known as the sick man of Europe. Can you hear how God decrees one thing and the enemy decrees exactly the opposite? Come on, you can take this principle and apply it to your life. So, we had to make a counter decree to what the enemy said, and we had to pull down the destiny, the identity, and the purpose of God to begin to prepare the way for everything God wanted to say. So, prophets will speak the destiny of the nation. When Bishop Hammond went into the Philippines in 1993, he gave a prophetic word to then president elect Fidel Ramos and that present, that prophetic word actually said that God had called the Philippines to be a first world nation. How many understand that what all that means economically, how that, what it means in influence, what it means to turn the tide at the time, the nation was, had a lot of corruption in government. It had a very small, barely growing church. The economy was definitely a third world economy and poverty ruled over the nation. But when he released that prophetic word over the then president elect, the, the media took that word, they published it in magazines, they printed it on the front page of the newspaper, they played it over and over again on the radio. And then when, uh, when he got into the presidency, my husband and Bishop Hammond went in and prophesied to him again, and they did the same thing. And God began to speak the destiny of that nation and things begin to shift. Now, my husband and I, we go into the Philippines now, and I want you to know every leader of every major movement, and we meet with them when we go, and we meet with the leaders of probably four or five million Christians in that land, and I want you to know that they all point back to that prophetic word as the tipping point, the changing point that changed their nation. Right. And as a result now, we're prophesying to senators, to mayors, to congressmen, to the leaders that are right next to the president. You see, God is changing a nation and it is very quickly becoming a first world nation economically in influence and one of the largest growing Christian communities on earth because the voice of God went forth. The people broke their alignment with what the devil had decreed and they began to say what God said and transformation took place. Amen. Can we just get the Lord a hand for that. And so, we see that prophets actually uh, speak to the destiny of the nations. Now, in doing that, you also have to do number two and number three, which is to identify and confront spiritual strongholds and to expose hidden occult strategies. I'll kind of wrap these up together because I believe that, that when we understand how this works, we understand that we've been given power over some of the power of the enemy. No, no, no. no. We've been given power over all the power of the enemy. And one of the things that we love to do is when we go into a nation, we don't study up on the nation before we go. We get in there or we pray about it ahead of time and we listen for the word of the Lord. Now, years ago, we were going to go to a nation of Colombia. And right before we went to Columbia, South America, this was before the days of internet and Googling, I sat up in bed at night and I had a dream or an open vision actually. And I had this open vision and I saw the nation of Columbia and I saw this like a spider web that the enemy had spun over the nation and that there was this demonic spirit in the, in the vision, it looked like a spider and God gave me the name of it and basically gave me the characteristics of how it was literally holding the nation captive. And so I want to be honest with you and tell you that what I saw scared me half to death. And I literally knew that God was calling us to go, but I was overwhelmed with a sense of fear, not knowing if we would actually come back. It was that, that strong, that serious of a situation and the Lord then showed me as we began to pray about this, that when you take one anchor of a web out, the web pretty much remains intact. But if you hit the key anchors of the web, the entire web collapses. Well, what we didn't understand when we booked the trip is that not only were we going to be in a city called Barranca Bermeja, but Bishop was going to be in two other cities during the same week that we were there. So see, God was sending us in to cut the anchoring points of this demonic web that was holding the nation in captivity and gave a specific understanding of the nature of the strong man that was holding that nation captive. So we took a team in. We prayed. We exposed the plans of the enemy. And Bishop did the same thing where he was. We engaged the people in spiritual warfare. And I want you to understand that after that happened, within three weeks, the main drug cartel that was wrapping up that nation at the time, within the next three weeks, they arrested the drug kingpins that they'd been after for years. They began to thwart the work of the FARC, the the guerrillas that were holding cities in captivity and within a matter of weeks the the web of wickedness over that nation began to collapse and the people of God were free again to begin to move in and
0: embrace the revival that God was bringing in the land. And they they opened up to christianity beyond catholicism officially as a nation and you know as my wife saw that spider spirit it's interesting because when my mom and dad were in bogota they were in a church there with i think cindy jacobs and they they had a, a church of a hundred thousand there but she woke up one morning and when she woke up she looked in the mirror and she said, Oh, my tongue hurt she uh, stuck her tongue out and it was black and uh, so they went to the pastors and the people there, and they said, oh, what's going on with Evelyn? What's, what's happening with my wife? And she says, well, what's happening? He said, well, show us. And she stuck her tongue out, and it was black. And they all kind of stepped back, and they said, oh. He said, well, what is it?" He said, well, you've been bitten by a spider. And we were just talking about a spider spirit, right? You've been bitten by a spider. Well, what happens when you get bit by this spider? Well, your tongue turns black, and then you die. So now she didn't die. And when we didn't die, uh, but we were fighting a real fight. And that just was a little bit of a sign of that. what we saw in the spirit. You know, we saw some evidence to understand that there was something real taking place. But if we dealt with it by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we could begin to break the control the enemy wanted to have in the land.
1: Amen. When you're prophetic and you go in, I always ask the Lord, speak to me in a dream. Come on. Can we ask God to just speak to us in a dream? Speak to us in a dream. Speak to us in a vision. Show us things with our spiritual mind and our spiritual eye that we cannot see any other way. I want to tell a story about Apostle He who just received her doctor's degree. Could you just stand up for just a moment? She's a wonderful apostle in East Malaysia in a city called Cebu, in the state of Sarawak and we were with her for a prophetic conference a few years ago. And while we were there, I just was praying in the spirit. And as I continued to pray in the spirit, I kept saying the same word over and over and over and over again. And so I, I kind of jotted it down. I wrote the word down. And, uh, and so I was preaching that night and before, as I was walking the floor and praying that afternoon, the Lord said, you need to go look that word up. And so I looked it up in the Hebrew concordance just phonetically and the name what i what i heard was a name of a spirit that was holding the city in captivity and literally the name that i heard actually means to bar the gates of the city or to lock up the city and so I shared this that night we we did spiritual warfare we we prayed we we decreed we broke the shackles of that demonic spirit. And I want you to know the next couple of days we went out to the Iban people and they were celebrating the Iban New Year. Now these are the indigenous people of Borneo, okay? And we went out and we just saw how they lived in the long houses and things. And while we were there, somebody from the team was sharing with one of the Iban leaders about what we had done the night before and the name of this spirit that was locking up the city. And the Ebon leader said back to them, how do you know this name? See, it came by revelation. How do you know this name? Well, what we didn't know is that the name that the Lord gave us was actually also the Ebon tribal name of the God of the underworld. And what they do every Iban New Year, which was the day that we were warring against this thing, is that they they open up the graveyards and the people go in and do basically celebration of ancestral worship and things like that. And at the end of the day, they call this name of this demonic spirit, they call him to come lock up the city Wow! and to lock up the underworld. Come on. And God exposed the name of that thing so that we could war against it probably at the exact moment that they were calling for the spirit to come and take power. Come on. I'm telling you, God ha- God will blow your mind prophetically and after that they saw strongholds on the city just start opening up and things starting breaking loose. Can we just give the Lord a hand because I'm telling you Jesus is a mighty warrior and he wants to see people free.
0: The truth of it is, the enemy wants to control our world. He's called the God of this world. That's this world system, not the terra firma, not the earth. The earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it. And yet, the enemy is illegitimately laying claim to land and people and nations. And so, as a prophet to the nations, we're called to confront. We're called to begin to expose the lie of hell that's trying to limit a people, rob, kill, and destroy, right? That the enemy is trying to bring a controlling spirit into everything. Every land as he is trying to do with every life. And so we come and we say, God, we want to bring exposure to the plans of the enemy. The problem for you and I is that when we've lived somewhere a long time, that familiarity that familiar spirit wants to come and blind our eyes we don't see our society we don't see our culture from the eyes that our city or even our own lives at times sometimes when others come they see it from a fresh view and they see it from a God point of view and it exposes what the enemy has been trying to do in our land and in our heart and so God's still doing that he's sending prophets to the nations you know in second kings 2 after Elisha received that mantle of the double portion the first thing he did is that he went across the Jordan right where the last miracle took place with Elijah and he said I am carrying on his mantle where is the Lord God of Elijah if if Elijah did it I'm going to do it too if Jesus did it I'm going to do it too I'm taking this mantle and I'm moving and then the next thing he did is he went into the city of Jericho and in Jericho it looked pretty but at the root there was a curse that was working and the fruit was death and barrenness and so even though it was a pleasant looking land there was a curse that was bringing death and barrenness into that city, into that place. And what he did is he said, I need a plan and a strategy. God gave it to him. And he said, I'm going to go to the root cause of this. I'm going to go to where the water is supposed to come forth. And I'm going to throw the salt, the salt of the earth in there. I'm going to decree from this day forward, there will be no more death or barrenness. And he broke the curse that was at work in a city and began to cause that which was death dealing to be turned to be life giving the way God had intended it to be. And so, uh, part of our call as being sent into a region or into a nation is to say, God, we see some fruit that is now being born. Death and barrenness, whatever the enemy's trying to do. See, every place has a redemptive gift and a calling from God. God made a decree over every nation and every place. He called them to himself. He has great gifts inside of the people. But the enemy comes by corruption and by lies and by greed and by poverty and by witchcraft and all kinds of things to cover that uh, God calling that uh, destiny up, but we come to say we're going to expose the root of where the enemy is at work. We want to root it up, pull it down, destroy that, and say now let's build the kingdom of God and let's loose the destiny that God has decreed over our land so that they can be shifted into what God made them for from the beginning, All of us can be blinded by familiarity. I remember we've come into different nations. They said, we never noticed that before. We never thought of that before. We never saw that before. But a prophet comes with the voice of the Lord and brings exposure, just like maybe in our own lives, sometimes God speaks to issues and go, oh, you, you're right. There is a root there. I have done that. That is a part of my family. I need to have a freedom from that curse. And so as we work with God, and we always come with the word of the Lord, we come with a humility of heart understanding it has to be the people of the land that really take a stand, but we're there to help them. In fact, a big part of what I believe the prophetic does is it raises up a company that's willing to fight, if you will, as an army. If you're around the prophetic very long, you can't help but understand there's a mentality of overcoming, there's a a mentality of confronting, and to be able to fight with God, to be able to change what's going on in your land and nation, to release justice and righteousness, to release the word of the Lord, that the throne of God might be established. And so when we come in, we're saying, God, there has to be a company arise that believes. It doesn't have to be everybody or every church or everything, but it has to be the remnant at least. It has to be those that catch it and say, yes, I'll be used. I'll be a David in my land to be able to break the curse and bring divine reversal into my earth. And so we're believing that that there's something that's being released out of us that causes people to be challenged to rise up, to believe God, that there's hope for their nation, hope for their church or their land or what God's called them to, and then to give them strategies, and more than that, to believe to equip them with weaponry so that they can understand that revelation is a weapon, that there's authority that God's given, and that they can be the ecclesia that knows how to legislate in the spirit and they can shift the very atmosphere and the land and the curse can be broken off in the earth and people can come into their destiny.
1: Let let me just say this. Amen. Let, Let me just say this is that you may, you may be sitting here saying, well, I'm not really a prophet. Okay. But let me just say this. You can be anointed with a prophetic spirit when you go. Amen. We've got to shift out of just a missionary mindset. We love missionaries, we support missionaries, but we've got to shift out of a just a missionary mindset. Of doing good works when we go in, and understand that God's called us to turn nations upside down. Amen. Right. And believe that God will give us the entrance to those that are the influencers.
0: And so, one of the things we always want to do is open up the gates. You know, I can remember a number of uh, years ago we were in England and I, uh, we were ministering there, and we really wanted to go see Westminster Abbey, and we not had a hadn't had a chance yet. And even though we've been there a lot of times now, but at that point we hadn't had a chance to see the Abbey. And so, ministry went long as it normally did. And we just kind of saw the sun go by and everything else. And, and we, we said, like, oh, we'll just go walk over and look at it with the lights on. It. At least it'll be pretty, but I think it shut. We went to the door, we're closed. And so we're kind of walking back a little sad, but thinking, well, you know, we're enjoying everything. We just wanted to see the Abbey. And all of a sudden, this old, uh, seemingly kind of craggled-toothed, gnarly-looking older man kind of walks up to us and says, hey, guys, what are you doing? I said, oh, you know, we wanted to see the Abbey, but we see it's closed. We, we can't get in there, we know. And we go, oh, well, where are you folks from? You know, And, and we said, well, we're from America, you know, the United States. He says, oh, okay, yeah, well, where in America are you from? We said, well, we're from a state, you know, from Florida. He goes, oh, Florida. Well, where in Florida are you from? We go, okay uh, uh we're from a little town called santa rosa beach i'm sure you never heard of him he goes santa rosa beach i just met somebody from santa rosa beach do you know tom kenningham i go he goes to our church what do you mean tom kenningham what, what, what do you mean you met him yeah i met him he says uh well i said what we're, we're his pastors you are wow well you're in luck then I am the, the caretaker for the Westminster Abbey. And he pulls out this ring of keys that just seems to go on forever. I've got a key to everything in this place. And you know what he did? He took us on the greatest tour you could ever have through the Abbey. He said, Let me take you where the royalty gets dressed and where they get ready for the ceremonies. And he took us in the back rooms and everything and just gave us the tour of a life, a lifetime. How many know God has the divine appointment for you? And you may say, I don't know how I'm going to get in there. And God says, I've got some favor for you. I've got an angel for you. I've got somebody for you to meet because I'm going to usher you in to your destiny to make a difference. And so if we're going to open up the gates, we're always looking for the keys. Have no time to talk about the keys. But there are so many keys of revelation and power and authority that God wants to loose through us. But let me encourage you. God has shaped the prophetic and the apostolic as a special key to unlock the land.
1: Amen. How many believe that this is a season of unlocking? Amen. Right. One of the things that the Lord gave us, and we didn't even know that Dr. Chuck was actually preaching this, was the 1 Corinthians sixteen nine scripture. Paul says, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. How many know if we're going to go through the gate, we're going to have to be willing to face some adversaries? If you think just because you've got a prophetic word, everything's going to be sweet and gentle.
0: Easy breezy.
1: I don't really want to have to just burst your bubble, but let me put you in touch with reality just a little bit. Come on. Sometimes we've got a war to get through the gate. And so at the, at just about a month ago, the Lord kind of just spoke to me and said, this next Hebraic year is going to be marked by, it's going to be a year of gates, a year of Goliaths, but a year of glory. Come on. How many are expected to see glory? Amen. Amen. And I, I don't have time to get into the Goliath issue, but let me just say this. The only purpose that Goliath served was that Goliath is not remembered because he's a great champion. He's remembered because he was big. He was hairy. He was scary. He was intimidating. He seemed unconquerable. And yet David took him down. That's why we remember Goliath. Amen. And that's where we have to understand that your opposition becomes your opportunity. Right. Because when David took Goliath down, that became his opportunity to marry the king's daughter, go into the palace, and start fulfilling his destiny. So, if you've got a giant or an adversary, you need to be rejoicing because that adversary is given for your advancement. Come on, we need to get a different mindset. Oh, not, oh, woe is me. We got to understand that God has given us our opposition to become an opportunity for us. Right. Amen. Now, as we kind of enter into this this year, I just want to touch on just two things. Let me just say this, is that... I. We don't have time to teach this morning, but we did this series just this last few weeks called Prevailing at the Gates, which talks about how to overcome, how to overthrow the Goliaths. And in here, uh, we talk about uh, two things that we just want to make you aware of that we're probably in the season of confronting globally, but I think especially even here in this nation. And that is the Leviathan spirit and the spirit of Python. So, let me just take just a couple minutes and just touch on this and then my husband's going to share something and we're going to pray. Leviathan is seen in Job chapter 41 and he is called the king of the children of pride. Now several years ago when we went to Australia, 2015, and I don't have time to go into this story, but the Lord gave me a dream. And in the dream I met, and I, I don't talk about angels that much, but I met these four angels. They were dressed in white. They had their arms linked together and they presented themselves to me and they said, we are the, the four horsemen of awakening. We are the force that is necessary to bring cities, regions, and nations into revival and awakening. How many are believing for a revival and awakening in your city? And without teaching this, they, they, they introduced themselves to me and one of them represented the past moves of God and past outpourings. And he said that he was getting ready to pour, to cause God's spirit to be poured out on denominational churches so that churches could up, could update and receive the Holy Ghost. Okay. The second one was the prophetic movement. The third was the apostolic movement. And the fourth one was prophetic evangelism. People actually getting out there and sharing the gospel. And it's a lot longer than that. But as I watched the dream, suddenly my four angels that I was I just met were on a golf course. It's a dream, okay? It's a dream. I asked God, why were they on a golf course? And I thought of the scripture that says, Paul said, I have finished my course. Okay, so <laughs> maybe that's it, all right? Because it all had to do with finishing. Because as the angels kind of, they hit this golf ball and it, and it bounced down the fairway. Suddenly it bounced about 10 feet away from this giant crocodile. Keep in mind, I was in Australia. Okay. But I knew that what I was seeing was the, the Leviathan spirit. And as the angels advanced, they stood at a distance. And I knew that in a second they could have banished that spirit, but they were waiting for something. You know what they were waiting for? They were waiting for the church. Mm. They were waiting for us to cry out. They were waiting for the church to awaken. They were waiting for the church to, to take an action that would stir their stir them and give them an authority. Uh, Randy and Linda Ho over here, uh, Linda uh, told us the story of her son Koa, who when he was younger, he used to see angels with his open eyes. And she said that whenever they would go into different churches, that she would ask Koa, Koa, what are the angels doing? And he, Koa would say, Oh, they're, if the people were dancing, he'd say, oh, they're dancing with the people. If the people were praying, he said, oh, they're spinning their swords. One time they went into a church and they said, she said, Koa, what are the, the angels doing? It was kind of a dead, dry church. And Koa kind of looked around. Oh, they're back in the foyer. They're talking back in the foyer. Come on. How I many know we don't give our angels any peace, okay? <laughs> I don't want, I don't want, if God's sending angels down, we don't want them to get sidetracked in, in doing nothing. Come on. These angels were looking for the church to rise up and confront. And so on the screen, you see all these, these characteristics of this Leviathan spirit. It's a spirit. The name actually means mourning. And the enemy's trying to catch the church into a place of grieving and mourning over disappointment, over loss. He's trying to cause nations to go into grieving and mourning instead of letting the mourning be turned to dancing. Amen? And so, what I, what I understood, the, the, one of the main characteristics of this spirit is full of pride, it causes twisted communication. Can anybody say fake news? Who? Oh. We see this all over the media right now. Come on. And what we've got to do is we've got to become discerning people in order to break this stronghold off of our land. And the Lord spoke to us and spoke to me and said, listen, tell the people, don't you dare let yourself be divided from your brother and your sister Over political issues, over social issues, over issues that are meant to divide and to destroy. This was in 2015. How many know we still need that word today? And the Lord actually said to me, Tell your people, if they've allowed relationships to be broken over these kinds of issues, you need to repent. Okay? And so we're going to confront Leviathan, we're going to confront the python.
0: Python spirit, that spirit of divination, that thing that wants to twist and choke out all that is good—we're going to believe that God's going to break that off of your life, off of our regions, and off of the nation. Amen. Now, part of what God's also said to me is that as we're going through the gate in this five-seven-seven-eight uh, opportunity, as we're hearing from Chuck and others, just describing where we are going, that the enemy will always want to go and meet you at the gate. And so I want to just give you four things that the Lord said to me, and I'm just really going to give them to you. We've preached on these things, and there are sets for all the stuff we're talking about, but just give it to you briefly. Uh, And that is this, that the enemy is positioned at the gate to try to stop your influence and stop your impact. And one thing he will use in this season, I believe we're living in it right now today, is something called the spirit of intimidation. And the enemy will try to back you down, shut you up, and get you to get on the sideline because you are afraid we're calling it terrorism we're calling it political correctness we're calling it all kinds of things but i'm telling you it's just a plain spirit of intimidation against the church to shut you down and uh, i can remember years ago as my wife was being used just early in ministry to be able to give revelation she was walking through the church building you saw the modular building on the uh video and in the middle of walking through there she heard this voice saying i'm gonna kill you she turned around and, and she looked and She couldn't see anybody, and she went through the whole church. There was nobody in the church, and she had a succession of dreams where this demon would come to her and say, I'm going to kill you, and she brought it to me, and we began to pray and intercede and decree and just fight against that thing, but it was very real. It was harassing her in her dreams, and I remember about the third time that that happened, she said as that dream unfolded again, and that demon was saying, I'm going to kill you, something rose up in the dream in her to say, I think that if you could have killed me, you would have done it already. And at that moment, she saw the hand of God behind that demon pushing it forward saying, you tell her. And what she awoke to is the understanding is that God was forcing the demon to expose his scheme and his plan, not to intimidate her to stop to do what she was doing, but for us to understand what was happening so that we could negate the plan of the enemy and not back up, but go forward and not allow that spirit of death or intimidation to work against us. And so intimidation is real.
1: Let, let me just, I just really feel right, right now, you guys just need to receive an impartation for dreams, for visions, for discernment. Just lift your hands. Father, we just lose that over the people of God right Right now, now Lord that mantle of revelation so that we can see what we our eyes cannot see we can hear what our eyes cannot hear Lord activate dreams visions proper interpretation proper application and open our eyes with a fresh mantle of discernment so that we will not only discern but have a strategy for freedom and breakthrough in Jesus name
0: Amen. Amen. A couple of other things that humiliation is a mocking spirit. And I'm going to talk to you about that just a little more in a minute. Pollution means that which is life giving becomes death dealing. In other words, clear, clean water that you can't live without, but if you pollute it with the wrong stuff, it becomes stinky, ugly, dirty, and nobody wants it. And so, if you're positioned at the gate, if the enemy can't take you out with intimidation or just by mocking you out of your place, he will try to pollute you so that you don't bring the blessing you were called to bring. Or dilution, which just means something is a, a potent uh, solution It has all kinds of power in it and it can do amazing things, but if you dilute it enough with inactive ingredients it doesn't have the impact anymore it's called the cares of life it's calling all kinds of uh, things that the church is never called to have that kind of attitude or allow these things to burden us and so the enemy would try to dilute you where you just don't make an impact anymore Now I want to talk just a minute about where I think we are in America right now because if we're prophets to the nations, we want to be a prophet to our own nation as best we can. And you know, we've been making our appeal to heaven and we've been crying out, God, we need a shift, we need a divine reversal, we need things to change. And we've preached about that, we've warned about it, we've prayed about it, we've done it at this conference many, many years, many, many times. But I believe we're living in a new season. There is an open door and God's made a decree that you're in a Cyrus season. And a Cyrus anointing came forth For Israel, they were brought out of a certain form of captivity, and then God began to decree, This is your time to take back your land. I'm going to give you the tools, the authorization, and the blessing now to be able to rebuild the walls. That's the city, and to also rebuild the temple. That's the church. And so we talk about church reformation for city or regional or national transformation. And so, what Cyrus did, one of the key things he did is he restored the judges, he restored the teachers. And he restored the fathers back into the land. He gave authorization and opportunity for that to happen. How many know uh, that what happens in our Supreme Court is pretty important to where the course of America goes? A lot of things we never voted on, but they happened. And they're real, and they're affecting us day by day. And so there was one day I was just frustrated. I just said, God, that's not right. The Supreme Court, you know, uh, they can't just, you know, they're not the last say in our nation. And the Lord says, son, yes, they are. But the only way that you can overturn a ruling by that kind of court or high court is you've got to appeal to a higher court. And there is a sovereign court that is seated in heaven. If you know how to make your rightful appeal, when it overturns a verdict, every other succeeding court has to listen to what it says. Yes. And so we've been making our appeal and we've been making decrees and saying, okay, God, for America, we need a shift. We talked about crossing over to the other side. But in the middle of Jesus saying, crossing over to the other side to his disciples, how many know? A furious storm arose. And where they were going was to the other side where there were some controlling spirits, some demonic spirits that says nobody could go or come in accordance to these demonic spirits of the Gadarenes that were there. And a furious storm came against them to say, you better back up, you better retreat and you're going to die. It's not going to work to try to stop them in what they were called to do. Because when they got to the other side, see, they have already gone past the storm, Jesus just said, you're rebuked. You can't work here anymore. You are controlled is over and now there's a testimony of what the Lord has done in the land. We are in that very season. What God is saying is that this is a season of awakening and a season of release and that this is a Cyrus moment for the church. I don't have time to go into all the things that confirm that, but there are so many things that are is being released in our nation I just say one more thing before we pray is this, you know, as interesting that during the election and you may have all kinds of thoughts about whatever President Donald Trump is or not. But I, I know that in the campaign, he stopped in Las Vegas and he had a, a time there with the International Church of Las Vegas, where my wife goes every year to do a big conference. It's a large church of a few thousand. And he stopped there to see their Hispanic school because they have a big outreach into the Hispanic uh, community there. And so we saw it on TV, so oh, that's cool, that's interesting. And then later on, right before the election...
1: I had prophesied over them about four or five years ago that God was going to connect them to the Cyruses of the land, Okay. And so that, that's And so
0: the, actually, the Sunday before the election, Denise Goulet was, was getting ready to preach the why because the husband was uh, out of town. And so she said, I'm going to preach. I want to preach on Cyrus. In fact, I'm going to get Jane's book and I'm going to study up on it. And then I'm going to get that prophecy and I'm going to play it for our church that we're going to be connected to the Cyruses of the land. She got it all ready. And then about 8 o'clock that morning, she got a phone call. Yes, pastors, this is the Trump campaign, and we want to ask you a question. We are in town. We'd like to come to your church. We don't want to speak, but would it be all right if we if we came? I said, sure. So they came. They sat on the front row of the church. So what did she do? She preached on Cyrus, and she prayed this prophecy, and she declared. What did they do? They brought him up at the end and prayed over him, prophesied, and said, God's going to use you as a Cyrus in the land and made a decree over his life. Now, I believe despite uh, the the greatness or the frailties of a man, God has a plan, and so we're not going to live by every tweet that proceeds out of the White House, and we're not going to live by every report by CNN, right? But we're going to believe by every word God's going to do something, and so listen to this. I want to just give you a couple of things here. Listen to what one secular writer wrote as uh, President Trump took office. He said, Trump is not a spiritual leader, but warns, this is a guy that, wasn't really happy, but warns that all the people he is putting in position are. It said, onward Christian cabinet, he put as a headline, Trump's White House picks are a uh, Christmas gift for the religious conservatives. Donald Trump may give evangelical Christians a level of power and influence on American life that they have never had before. What do we need? The judges, the fathers, the teachers to get back in place. And so uh, I put an article out to Steve Schultz. He he was gracious to publish it uh, on the Elijah list. And, And this is what he said about it. He said, I have one word for this latest article by Tom Hammond, profound. We get these words once in a while that you can ponder and sit on and read over and over, and this is one of those words. This truly is a much-needed now word for the church and for our nation in this hour, even for this week we are in. And so anyhow, this is what the Lord gave me, and I just want to give you a couple passages for you to look at, that we are living in Nehemiah 4 and verse 1. In Nehemiah, we know that they were in the midst of trying to rebuild. They were authorized to rebuild the temple, rebuild the city, rebuild the church, rebuild the nation. But all the people in the land were not happy about it. In fact, there were some forces uh, aligned in a very powerful way against that very purpose. And so listen to this. Nehemiah 4 and verse 1 it says, but it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and he mocked the Jews or the Christians or whatever you want to say and he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and he said, what are these feeble Christians trying to do? Will they build something? Will they fortify themselves? Will they do something? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they bring covenant back? Will they bring back worship again? Will they complete it in a day or a hundred days or whatever you want to say? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? This is gone. It's past. It's not coming back. It's not going to ever work. And now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, whatever they build, here's another mock. If even a fox goes up on that wall, he will break it down and that stone wall will fall. Nothing will happen. But then the people of God said, we need to pray. And this is what they prayed. Hear, O our God, for we are despised turn their reproach upon their own heads and give them as a plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Don't cover up anything O God and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. This is not about President Trump. He may be used as a Cyrus. It's about what God wants to do in the United States of America and release the church to be authorized to rise up in authority and power and so it says you have been provoked to anger before the builders so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its heights for the people had a mind to work and then it says in Ezra 6 and verse 14 as a part of this process so the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo and they built "...and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the command of Cyrus." And so I believe we are living in a Cyrus season. So I want you, if you will, stand up with me. And as we finish up this morning, I've kind of written out a prayer that I want to decree. Can we do this? Can we link arms together? Listen, we can't afford to be divided. We can't afford the enemy to try to cause us to fight the wrong enemy or to fight one another. You know what they did in that day? The strategy was let one man have a sword, let another man have a trowel. Let somebody be fighting and somebody be building all the time. Fill in all the gaps because the enemy wants to make an inroad wherever he can to divide. But if we are united, if we pray, it said 24-7. It says to have a watch all the time, praying, decreeing. We've been doing 24-7 prayer around here continuously. I believe that God's setting a watch and he's causing the church to arise. He's releasing a militancy. But here's a prayer that we can pray and say, as they did in that day, God, Here's what we cry. Hear, O oh, our God, for we are despised and ridiculed and being in- intimidated by our enemies. Turn their reproach on their own heads. And bring them into places of bondage. Do not cover their iniquity, but bring exposure to their schemes. And do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So arise, O God, and fight for us. So we will build the foundations of our nations and see reformation and awakening in the church in America. For the people have a mind to work to bring your kingdom blessings into the earth in this generation. Give a shout. Hey!
1: When Dr. Chuck gave the word over Florida, he said, when you see this surge coming up on the west coast and the east coast, the next thing I'm going to do is start exposing how the enemy has worked against this nation. Amen. If you're watching the news at all, you know that all kinds of exposure is going on. It's going on in Hollywood. It's going on in the government. Come on. It's going on. God is ripping the cover off so that the sin, the corruption, the defilement can be exposed so that people will turn around. Let's do one more thing together. Father, I just break every assignment of Leviathan. I break every assignment of Python, Lord, that tries to stand in the gate to keep God's people from advancing. Father, we decree that the enemy is under our feet. We decree right now that he is a defeated foe and we put him where he belongs, under our feet. Father, I decree a mantle of boldness, a mantle of courage, a mantle of revelation, Father, so that we can advance in this new
0: season. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. And Let me just say, the forces that we're fighting in America is darkness. Antichrist spirits and agendas and so father we just agree that those things are not going to win they're not going to have this nation they're not going to take us to a path that you never intended but what was prophesied believed for decreed and even made covenant with in your name at the beginning that those good things and God things are now going to come into play for our nation and that we as we make our appeal are going to continue to stand as intercessors believing you know how to heal our land in Jesus name. Give the Lord one more
1: hand clap. Amen. Now if you feel called to at some point in your life go to a nation carrying a prophetic mantle as a prophet to the nation. Just lift your hands up all over this place and we're going to pray for you. Amen.
0: Father we thank you that Many years ago, you gave a vision to my father, Bishop Hammond, and you saw uh, that in the future you wanted to raise up a great company of prophets and that uh, you would use a man and a plan and many others that would have that heart to begin to raise up and challenge and release and equip and begin to commission and send a generation that would have the word of the Lord in their mouth, that would have the passion of heaven in their heart and would go forth in power and authority to deal with every scheme of the enemy and begin to lay low every lie and begin to lift up the truth of who you are and what you can do. And so Father, right now, I pray for a fresh wave of encouragement, a wave of passion, and a wave of your authority and power to now be released as a commissioning, even to all those that are listening at this moment, that they might know that you have made them for this fight. You have made them For this day, and you have made them to go through the open door, and that no adversary will stop them at the gate. They will have influence. They will have impact, and they will make a difference in this world and in their world for your kingdom's sake. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Send prophets to the nations, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.
1: Well, we're going to release you, I want to remind you that workshops actually start in just a little over an hour, so come on back. If you're looking for a quick lunch, if you'll go down to Seaside 30A turn out of the parking lot to the left, take the first left and go down there. There's all kinds of wonderful food trucks and and uh, ways that you can just uh, receive some good refreshment quickly and come on back. 2.30 and four o'clock are the workshops. You can see the screens that are up in the foyer. And then again, in just a few minutes, uh, the screens here in the sanctuary will tell you exactly where each workshop is meeting. So God bless you.
0: Thank you for listening to Christian International's Teaching of the Week. For more information on conferences, training intensives, and other resources to help make a powerful difference, please visit our website at christianinternational.com.